You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. Make sure to watch this show and subscribe to the show on YouTube. I'm actually recording this on Friday. Good Friday. It's Easter weekend. Was not going to do a podcast on Sunday for Monday's show. So obviously you're watching Monday's episode right now. Hopefully nothing breaks in between now when I'm recording it and now when you're listening to it, which of course I probably just jinxed myself. But either way, our goal is to get to 1,000 subscribers by today. We're at about 980 as I'm recording right now. My hope is over the next couple of days that we did get to 1,000. So thank you to everyone who supported the show so far over on YouTube. And thank you to everyone who listens on their favorite podcasting platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey. We are everywhere where you get your podcasts for this show and all the shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. So either at me at Julian Council, DM me at Julian Council, or leave a comment on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday show over on YouTube. And I'll get to your questions there on every single Friday here on Locked on Panthers. This episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts okay so baker mayfield starting to uh have a little bit more more mo, mo, a little bit more momentum as i cannot speak baker mayfield starting to have a little bit more momentum here to carolina's potential quarterback here in 2022 where there's smoke there's fire and jonathan alexander was on with john ellis and billy marshall of the roar podcast which is another carolina panthers podcast both those guys do a great job so if you guys ever want to check them out i have no problem. Go support them. I think they do two episodes a day, but here I do five episodes every day of the week. So, or not every day of the week, five episodes a week. So you can't find it anywhere else, but still, these guys do a fantastic job. Had Jonathan Alexander, who's been on this show before, had him on last week on their podcast asking about what the Carolina Panthers could do at quarterback. And this actually got some pretty good headway. I know it was on the Dan Patrick show, saw it aggregated all over the place, but Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer had this to say, I do think one of the Panthers quarterbacks when it's all said and done is going to either be Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. The reason why the Panthers had this interest in Mayfield and Garoppolo too is because their contracts are not something that they would want to take on. And it was something they couldn't take on too. And they were focused on Deshaun Watson at the time, which is very true. And let's go back to what Mike Florio said a couple weeks ago when he appeared on Rich Eisen, saying that he felt like the 49ers and the Browns would both, at some point in time, have to cut the two players. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot easier for San Francisco. If they cut him, they are able to save $25 million against the salary cap this season. Why they haven't done that already is a little bit confusing in a way, but also understand they want to get something for Jimmy G. But his shoulder injury has complicated things, and I think that's why he's not here in Carolina. I brought up last week Albert Breer, who also appeared on Rich Eisen, talked about had Garoppolo not had the shoulder injury and had to have surgery that's likely to keep him out of OTAs and mandatory minicamp in the next couple of weeks and months, then he probably would already be on a roster. It's difficult for Carolina to bring in Garoppolo, who has proven with a good roster around him, he can get you to the Super Bowl. You won't win it. 
but he can get you there. And he can also get you to the NFC title game. He didn't look great in the playoffs. I understand that. So that's a big reason why the 49ers wanted to move off of him. And you look at San Francisco, really good roster. Why would they want to move off of Jimmy G? Well, they didn't think Jimmy G was good enough for them. So why would the Carolina Panthers, who also want to win a Lombardi trophy, want to bring in Jimmy G? Well, you got to find a way to win. And Matt Rule wants to keep his job. And let's be honest, drafting a quarterback is not going to help the Carolina Panthers win games this season. And it's not going to help Matt Rule keep his job past this season. That is, if you want to keep his job, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes as well. As far as Baker Mayfield, though, he has the same salary as Sam Darnold, $18.858 million. As last season, the Cleveland Browns exercised his fifth-year option. The Panthers can't take on both of those contracts. That is obvious. It's going to be similar to what the Panthers did last year with Teddy Bridgewater's contract, having to pay majority of it, and then sending him over to Denver that's what Cleveland would have to do if they want to be able to move off of Baker Mayfield. They already have Deshaun Watson, as we know. They brought in Jacoby Brissett. They've now signed Josh Dobbs. Baker Mayfield is not long for the Cleveland Browns, and Cleveland doesn't really have much leverage at all. So the Panthers could get him for pretty much nothing. Now, the Browns, I don't know how patient they can be. San Francisco can be patient because if they don't have a good enough suitor for Jimmy and they don't think Trey Lance, who I assume – even with Jimmy, even uh, Jimmy's not going to be healthy. So Trey Lance will be out there for OTAs and, man, and mandatory minicamp. And if he looks to be the part or if he doesn't look to be the part, they can be like, okay, never mind. We need Jimmy back for one more year and give Trey another chance to sit back and learn Kyle Shanahan's offense and be ready to go for 2023. So they can do that. But the Browns, they cannot do that. It's a ticking time bomb of Baker Mayfield. He's on a podcast last week talking about how he felt disrespected. He's ready for the next thing. And a lot of that can go into his lack of maturity. And is that the best move for a player to go out there to say the things that he said, especially about, oh, I would love to go to a cubicle and boo you at your job. Are those things that you want to say when you're QB4 on your roster and you're trying to find a new home? Probably not, which goes into the mutual disinterest that both Mayfield and the Panthers had. Now, on that podcast, Baker Mayfield also said that Seattle, the Seahawks, would make a lot of sense for him. And people have said that as well. But Seattle reportedly is interested in developing Drew Locke. We'll see how true that is in the future. Now, Ian Rappaport, though, believes that the Carolina Panthers would be the most likely spot for Baker Mayfield. He was on the Pat McAfee show on Friday saying, to me, the Carolina Panthers seem to be the most likely spot for Mayfield. The Buccaneers also would make sense to me as well. So there's a little bit of more momentum picking up here for Baker Mayfield to come to Carolina. I've told y'all, I like Baker Mayfield. I've always been a fan of this guy back when he was a true freshman walk on a Texas Tech to when he was at Oklahoma winning the Heisman Trophy, going to the playoff two times. I love Baker Mayfield. I thought he was the perfect personality to go to Cleveland, that underdog city that has not had any success in since the Browns came back to town and really haven't had success in Cleveland football-wise or sports-wise in a long time. And that Baker would be the perfect guy to lead them for the next 10-plus years. He only got four seasons. Got them to the playoffs, blew up Pittsburgh, then last season, injured his shoulder. They're not winning games. He's not seeing eye-to-eye with Kevin Stefanski, Odell Beckham Jr., and everything that went on with that. And it led to the Browns wanting to go find an upgrade, which it didn't Deshaun Watson. And now Baker Mayfield sitting there on a podcast couch talking about how he feels disrespected and wants to leave. Would love to have him here in Carolina. We went over the pros and cons last week on the show of the financials. Like, hey, you can save a lot of money, at least on his salary this year. But if he's good then that's going to complicate things as you push a lot of money back to next season after doing all the restructures. So how does that fit in? 
now Scott Fuhrer always talks about they have a plan. And I have wondered in the past how that plan would be impacted by the quarterback position not being solved right now. And Scott Fitter also mentioning that financially, the most sense that it makes is to draft a quarterback in the first round and have that fifth year option and not have to pay them very much because they're on that rookie salary scale. Can't do that with Baker Mayfield. You can't do that. The quarterback, if he proves himself to be the right guy here in Carolina. So it's a good problem to have. And the Carolina Panthers currently don't have it. And I think that he might already be here or Jimmy Garoppolo might already be here had it not been for the poor decision to exercise fifth-year option on Sam Darnold, which is why we're here having the conversation about Baker Mayfield potentially coming to Carolina. Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, all those names that have been tossed out will continue to be tossed out for the next, what do we got now, uh, 11 days until the draft? Or I guess 10 days till the draft? I get it. Like, that's going to happen, but none of those guys are coming in here leading the Carolina Panthers to where they want to go in 2022, especially if Matt Rule would like to be employed here in Carolina. Now, does Matt Rule even want to be here in Carolina long-term? According to Todd McShay, who stopped uh, by Ryan Rosilla's podcast last week, he had some uh, pretty poignant comments about where he would want his son to get drafted and where he wouldn't want his son to get drafted and whether Matt Rule really is all in on being here in Carolina and the brand. So we'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting, stats, and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so we all know that if Matt Rule wants to be here in Carolina past this upcoming season in 2022, he's got to win. And to win, he's going to need a quarterback, which is why we keep talking about Kenny Pickett and their past relationship and Malik Willis and his upside and Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral. And, of course, the conversation we just had about Baker Mayfield and the smoke being there that maybe there might be some interest here in Carolina as the other 31 teams in the NFL don't seem to be interested in him at all. And now the Panthers have also been reported to have disinterest in Baker, which is mutual on both hands. But people seem to think that that's going to happen. Jonathan Alexander, as we just mentioned, the Charlotte Observer, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, all believe that there's a chance that Baker Mayfield could end up here in Charlotte. And I have no problem with that happening, considering he's a lot better than Sam Darnold. He's still young. All the things you heard last year. Got a little bit of attitude. I think you can get behind it. I know some folks out there have already told me, oh, I don't want anything to do with Baker Mayfield. It's like because of his lack of maturity and all this other kind of stuff and all what he says. It's like, well, Sam Darnold is a beacon of maturity and look how bad he is. So does it really matter? It's about winning football games. So let's go out there and try and win some football games. If Baker Mayfield can do that. That'd be great. The thing is, you have no idea if he's actually going to be the long-term answer or an answer at all for the Carolina Panthers in 2022. So we'll see how it all factors over the next couple of, I mean, really the next 10 days, because they're going to have to find, they're going to make a decision or they can wait. till after the draft, we'll see if they trade back. There's apparently that's been the worst kept secret in the national football league, the Carolina Panthers willingness to trade back. And Oh boy, of course that's been the worst kept secret. And there's also been some bad kept secrets here this off season as it pertains to the Carolina Panthers and whether this is a functional 
organization and or these relationships can last. And the relationship between Matt Rule and the organization is one that kind of came under the spotlight last week when Todd McShay was on the Ryan Rosillo podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. Both were talking really good episode, by the way. They're really talking about these draft prospects and how they might fit in. And of course, both of them have seen the Carolina Panthers as a team that could take a quarterback. And McShay believes that quarterback in his latest mock draft will be Kenny Pickett. But he did say this as well. The Carolina Panthers would be the last team I'd want my son to be drafted by talking about the dysfunction within the organization. And this is not the first time that we've heard about dysfunction within the Carolina Panthers organization. We can go back to a couple of months ago, the Walter football report that came out about Scott Fitter, you know, kind of thinking that he should have the control, but yet Matt Rule, he's the one who is basically out there as a tyrant and the owner, David Tepper, there are no one's on the same page there in Carolina. So we saw that about the dysfunction. And then last week on Monday, the Monday morning quarterback from Albert Breer, he also talked about what's going on in Carolina and just how it doesn't feel like everyone's on the same page. And the silence that we've heard, or really nothing that we've heard from David Tepper has spoke volumes about how teams view the Carolina Panthers, not just teams, but players and their agents and how they view the Carolina Panthers in this organization, saying that they're still relatively new. Owner David Tepper has been completely silent on football matters this offseason, leaving the status of those leading the football operation up to the imagination of big-name veterans veterans and their agents, creating at least an appearance of instability that hurt Jesus. Let's start this over again. There's still relatively new owner. David Tepper has been completely silent on football matters this offseason, leaving the status of those leading the football operation up to the imagination of big name veteran players and their agents, creating at least an appearance of instability that has hurt their standing in the eyes of those people. All right, I can read out loud. Wow. Not good, folks. Not good. So you have that on top of what else Todd McShay said about that he's been told that Matt Rule won't be crying when both sides part ways. Not if, but when both sides part ways. If that is true, if that's even remotely accurate, what Todd McShay is saying, and I don't think he's out there just saying anything. If there's an even an ounce of truth, then why the hell is Matt Rule here? Because clearly him and David Tepper, that relationship, I don't think that is healthy anymore. Tepper won't say anything at all. He's got the new soccer team. He's enjoying all that and what that life is in MLS and, you know, what, you know, who's ready to party and all that BS. Who cares about the soccer team? I mean, come on. The football team's a moneymaker here in town. ML, I hope Charlotte FC wins and all that kind of stuff. But people need a football team here to win in Charlotte. Like, that's where the morale, the good vibes in the city come from the football team winning. That's unfortunately, that's how we operate here in the United States of America. But still, and that's not dissimilar to if you were living in Newcastle, England, and whether the Magpies are winning or not. If they're not, the whole city feels bad. If they're winning, the whole city feels good. Same thing here in Charlotte. The football team wins, people feel good, spirits are high. Right now, the football team's not winning, and they have not won the four years that David Tepper has been the owner. And don't sit here and tell me that he inherited a mess, because he did not. He inherited a team that had playoff potential, that had been to the Super Bowl not too long ago. And he had a quarterback, and they were 6-2. and two. And then Cam got hurt. Shoulder fell off. They came back the next year. Didn't get off to a great start, but then he kind of came back out to 4-2. and two. Then everything's been downhill since he got rid of Ron Rivera. Four weeks left to go. Brought in his own guy, Matt Rule, and he has been terrible. 
And apparently Matt Rule would not weep about leaving Carolina. Let's go all the way back to Joe Person's report back in December, I want to say, right towards the end of the season, and Matt Rule's comments to the team, which I think he was trying to tell them, like, hey, I'm here with you. When he said that, oh, I could have left to go take one of those college jobs. I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to be here in Carolina. Just the situational awareness to probably not say that. Hey, you're in the middle of a seven-game losing streak to end the season, which he didn't know. But still, you're in the middle of a seven-game losing streak to end the season. You're talking about Jay-Z, and it took him seven years to be an overnight sensation and all that kind of stuff. We get it. You're on a seven-year deal. You don't have seven years to get things figured out. Poor analogy. I understand what he was trying to say. But poor. To also come out and say that everything's working a thousand percent that he trusts in the process, and you got the stupid brand thing up there on the on the in the building. Just put keep pounding on the walls and be done with it. But sure, the brand to be the hardest working, most physical, toughest team in the NFL. That's what everyone wants to be. It's not like a unique brand that you're bringing here to Carolina, dude. There's nothing about that's original. We all want that. Every single team in the NFL wants to be that. Yeah, we want to be the softest, finesse team in the No. Of course, everyone wants to be the toughest, hardest working team in the league. The brand. Come on, this Mickey Mouse bull. Dude, this is not a good look. Ten days prior to the draft, we're talking about dysfunction. Bitter and he's out of control of things. Matt Rule ain't going to be here past this season. It seems like whether they win or lose, he ain't going to be here. Because he doesn't want to be here, it sounds like. Tepper doesn't want him here. And Lord knows what Fitter was thinking. Probably stuck in the middle of these two nincompoops who have no idea what they're doing and how to operate a football team. Cannot believe I just said nincompoop on this podcast. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to use the Lord's name in vain. On Good Friday at that as I'm recording this podcast. Just so, just so tired of it. It's just so dumb to sit here and be talking about couple years ago all that david tepper wanted to do here in carolina with the sustained success and that matt rules a program builder and then here we are with multiple reports of dysfunction because neither one of these dudes knows what the hell they're doing and how to win at this level of football <sighs> whatever all right stefan gilmore not coming back to carolina been known that headed to the indianapolis colts for a Pretty good deal for the Colts. Should the Panthers have done that? We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. All right, folks, I've been telling you for well over a year about Built Bar being the best tasting protein bar out there. Have you tried the new Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs have become a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They are all so good, and they're going to eventually be your favorite once you finally try these puffs and like every single built bar puffs are included we have 100 chocolate on them every single built bar is 100 chocolate covered on them they're low calorie high protein replace your candy bars with these they're better tasting and they're better for you so go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and get 15 off your first order use promo code lock 15 for 15 off at built.com All 
All right, news came out on Friday that former Carolina Panthers cornerback Stephon Gilmore is signing a two-year $23 million deal with $14 million guaranteed with the Indianapolis Colts. And congratulations, Stephon Gilmore, Rock Hill native, has a home here in the area. Came home to Carolina last season when Scott Bitter and the Panthers traded away a 2023 six-round pick for the former Defensive Player of the Year on the National Football League back when he was in New England and I was excited. If you saw my reaction to that, I was stunned because the news had come out that day that he was likely going to be released. And that is right there telling teams, hey, if you want to trade for him, he's available. And the Carolina Panthers of all teams were the team that went out and traded for Stephon Gilmore. Never thought that would be the case. Apparently, he's a neighbor to Scott Fitterer, who he would see him just walking down the street all the time. He's like, you know what? That guy already lives here. He's pretty damn good at football. Why don't we go get him? And they went out there and got him. Six-round pick. Not too much to ask for, especially a former defensive player of the year in the NFL. Dan Morgan also lives in that same neighborhood. So great that all the neighbors got together. The problem was, though, that Stephon Gilmore didn't really offer a whole lot to the Carolina Panthers last year. Only played 59% of the defensive snaps. Played in, let's see, played in eight games. Started three of them. I believe in only two of those games did he play 100% of the snaps or the majority of the snaps based off of coming back from that injury that kept him out for the majority of the season back in in uh, New England in 2020 and then kept him out and on the pup list entering last year and is why he was not ready to go at 100% until after the bye week. We speculated back then why that was the case. Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator here in Carolina, actually shed some light on the Thursday afternoon and press conferences that he has weekly throughout the season that when the coordinators speak to the media, saying that Stefan was dictating when he would be ready to go. And he let me know that once we got past the – by week that he would be ready to go. Unfortunately, he was not ready to go very long as he suffered another injury, keeping him out for the rest of the season and ending his time here in Carolina, which at the time I suspected would be the case. And I'm happy that Gilmore is getting his money. It's his last time to get paid in the national football league. He's made plenty. He's done. He's been a great player. I don't know, you know what his hall of fame status will be, but he's been a defensive rookie of the year, been an all pro, been a multi-time pro bowler. He's had a really good career and eventually he'll come back home to the Charlotte area and he'll raise his family here and live here and he'll have been a Carolina Panther. So he checked off that childhood dream and a lot of folks in the area got to watch him not very long and not for very much, um, very much here in Carolina play in the black and blue. So it is what it is. So again, two years, $23 million, $14 million guaranteed with the Colts. Now the Carolina Panthers a couple weeks ago signed Dante Jackson, who we've had the conversation when we asked, Multiple times, would it be either or? Because I never thought his son Reddick was going to come back. It's the three guys we're talking about were Reddick, Gilmore, and John and Jackson, the top three, uh, top three free agents here in Carolina. I felt like Hassan Reddick was going to go out and try and get that money after doing a prove it deal here in Carolina. He got his money, making about fifteen million dollars per year up in Philadelphia, his hometown team in the Eagles. Stephon Gilmore, you could get him for a short period of time for a decent price, and he's probably a better player than Dante Jackson. Now, will he be healthy? I don't know. Will Dante be healthy? Hasn't been healthy the last couple seasons here in Carolina either. Who knows how things are going to play out? And then with Dante, younger player, homegrown kid, someone that you would want to extend, especially if he proves that he's a good player, which I think he's done the last two seasons when he has been on the field. So Dante signed a three-year, $35.1 million uh, deal, average annual value of $11.7 million. And really it's a two-year deal worth $16.7 million guaranteed in the first two years. So two years, 16.7. So two years, and that's what, eight, 
$14.35 million per year for Gilmore, who's getting $14 million guaranteed. And let's say that, I don't know how the contract splits are for, for uh, the Colts this year. I would say, I would say that's a one-year $14 million deal. Or if it's two years, it's, it's seven mil. So less for the Colts to spend guaranteed money over a two-year period than the Carolina Panthers will with uh, Dante Jackson, which begs the question, which deal should they have done? I'm totally fine with Dante Jackson being here. I love Dante. I think he's worked hard to become a captain and a leader on this team, and he played really well last year. That was my breakout candidate, and I thought he had a really good season up until, well, I mean, the Washington game wasn't great, but for the most part, until he got injured, was a solid player. And he's not going to be asked to be the number one corner, which is a good thing. J.C. Horn, albeit young, and only played two and a half games last year. He's going to come back in and be the number one corner, and hopefully he is up to the task, and he certainly looked like it through the first couple weeks, although he didn't play against any top receiver in the NFL. So he's still got a long way to go before we really know what we have in J.C. Horn here in Carolina. Gilmore's the better player. He's also the older player. And an older player who's had multiple injuries the last couple seasons that's not someone that you necessarily want to invest in. A younger player who had the turf toe, and there's a really great article that ESPN.com did that highlighted Dante Jackson, a lot of players dealing with the turf toe issue and why it is such a debilitating injury. Um, just go Google it. I, I, I don't have the link, but I, if I had it, I'd send it to you. But seriously, it's a really good article. Like that's That sucks that he had that. And then last year, also unfortunate. I don't think that Dante Jackson is someone that you should view as injury prone. I just think it's unfortunate. It's also playing football and these things kind of happen. I'm totally fine with the deal the Carolina Panthers did because really three years, about 11.7 mil per year, if he even gets that, but 16.7 guarantee over the next two seasons. And if it doesn't work out, they can move off of him. Totally fine with that. Like I would rather take the younger player. He might not be the better one, but I'm fine taking the younger player for a one more extra year, potentially who has shown that he can be a good player here and he's not going to be asked to be the top guy. Like Stephon Gilmore wanted to go be the top guy. Indianapolis lost Rocky Shin or Rocky Sin or whatever, and they needed a new corner. Now they have Stephon Gilmore playing the role he wants to play. And Scott Fitter had already said before, like, Stephon wants to go somewhere and be the top guy. The Colts offered him that. Carolina Panthers weren't going to offer him that. So best part, best for both parties to move on. And I think Stephon and Carolina made the right decision for each other. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Hopefully, we already have 1,000 subscribers. If we don't, let's get to 1,000. Thanks to everyone who's done that so far and helped support the show. Make sure to check out the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Odyssey. We are on all of those platforms wherever you listen to the show. You can find it there. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. So either at me at Julian Council, DM me at Julian Council, or send in a comment on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday show here on Locked On Panthers YouTube page. Coming up tomorrow, Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy had a really good breakdown last week of Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett with his co-host, Josh Norris, who's a Charlotte area guy, Elon guy as well, like himself. Had him on the show last year. We had Josh on. I'm going to have Hayden on tomorrow. They coming up on Thursday, Trevor Sikama, our pro football focus, formerly of the Draft Network, used to do a podcast here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Going to talk some draft with him. So two really good guests coming up the rest of the week. So make sure to tune in on Tuesday. Make sure to tune in on Thursday, of course, on Friday for the 
Friday weekly mailbag, the weekly Friday mailbag. And of course, you got to show up on Wednesday. I don't know what we're going to do on Wednesday, but make sure to check out the show on Wednesday on all the platforms I just laid out for you there. In the meantime, stay safe, keep pounding, and I'll talk to you all on Tuesday. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.